can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ, the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. I like, my heart is beating so fast and I was about to call you and be like, we're going to, we're going to have to not record. I got this call from a phone number and it was pre-recorded and it was like, hello, Hannah First or something like that. And it was like, <laughs> you are under a criminal investigation by the Department of Home Affairs. Like this pre-recorded lady. Yeah, don't tell me you fell for that one. <laughs> started. You panicked. I was like, oh my, what have I done? It's someone stolen my identity and like done something. <laughs> And so I called Linda straight away. Oh, my God. And I was like, Mom, I've just gotten a call from um, the current. And she goes, Hannah, it's a scam. And then I, <laughs> I love that your um, 60-year-old mum had to tell you that, that it was a scam. I know. I'm now on the Department of Home Affairs and it says, beware of phone and internet scams. Mm. And, it, and it says that this is a scam. But I did just hang up. But I was incredibly nervous for like one second. <laughs> Remember that time I was recording for YouTube and I was in the studio and my phone rang and it was from like the Canadian government apparently. And they called me and said that I was like under investigation and then there was a warrant out for my arrest. And I was like, yes, what? That's what it said. It said there's a warrant out for your arrest. <laughs> I was like, I've never even been to Canada. But I haven't even left the house in 12 weeks. Like what could, what, what on <laughs> earth could I have done? <laughs> I've got like. I've got this weird throat. I went for a run yesterday. It was an unintentional one. So I was going to a house inspection, but it was only around the corner from me and I was running late. So I was like, instead of walking, I'll run. I Like I can run, I can do that. It's like 800 meters. And so I ran there and then I started getting all these like symptoms of asthma afterwards. And I've had this weird like tightness in my chest. It's called unfitness. Yeah. Well, I thought that, but then I asked my friend who has asthma and she was like, yeah, that sounds like asthma. So I'm like, am I just unfit or do I have asthma? I think you might be unfit. I've never seen you run ever. I think we ran once at like we were running to a fashion show and that was the only time I've ever seen you run. Yeah, cardio fit I am not, but I have done Pilates the whole way through lockdown. So I am pretty proud of myself for keeping that up because I could have easily thrown the towel in there. But um, How often do you do Pilates? uh, Three times a week. Wow. Yeah. Look at you. Had to keep myself in shape just in case we came out of lockdown. which didn't happen until just now. So (laughs) anyway. What's on today's episode, Joe? On today's episode, we are talking about bum and boob sweat as our cringy convo. Um, Since we're getting into warmer weather, it seemed relevant. Then we're speaking to a dermatologist about all the different kinds of lasers and, of course, our products we didn't know we needed. All right, so you sent me a Slack today, Joanna, and you (laughs) said to me, have you got any funny boob or bum sweat stories? And I honestly was like, no, and then it came to me. I knew you'd have one. I had all the shame and embarrassment and humiliation (laughs) came rushing back to me. So can I start with this story? Yes, please do. <laughs> oh, my God. So this was about, 
oh God, like maybe five years ago and I'd come back from overseas and I was looking for a job and I hadn't done a job interview in a really long time. And I, I was having like a lot of anxious interviews and I would be sweating like profusely. And I remember I went to this one interview in a white shirt. Don't ask me why. (laughs) And and it was a really hot summer Melbourne day. And it was this one like lovely guy who was interviewing me. And so I went up into the room and the fucking air con wasn't on. So basically my whole shirt went wet underarms and the boobs went like completely like fully soaked through and I could see he was looking at me like trying to keep it together and keep the interview going and I looked down and I was like oh my god and I was like he's like um do you want to just like step outside for a minute just to cool down so him and I stepped out onto the balcony until I could cool down because I was just completely, my whole shirt was wet with sweat and like my boob patches as well. We like turned the aircon on. <laughs> I came back in and I, look, I couldn't salvage the interview. So you I didn't get the job? No, I didn't get the oh. job. <laughs> I didn't. Thought that would be a given. <laughs> I don't know why it was so humiliating, but I felt so embarrassed and I have never worn a white shirt on an interview ever ever since then I don't even think I've seen you wear a white shirt ever for anything I thought it would look really professional yeah well it it wasn't but maybe not on a 40 degree day I think that's the issue in Melbourne is that we're so used to cold weather and we probably wear like more clothes than is necessary on a 40 degree day but that heat is so like dry and there's something about it that just makes you sweat profusely it's not like that humid heat. I almost prefer humid heat to dry heat. I don't know why. I feel like I can manage my temperature a bit more in humid heat. But oh my God, the amount of times that I've sat down at a cafe on those plastic chairs on a really hot day and then gotten up and the whole seat is wet. Like it's so (laughs) embarrassing. I know. And I remember at my at my 21st, it was a 40 degree day and one of my really close friends was wearing a white skirt. And when she arrived, we were like, oh, we can kind of see like your undies through the skirt. Like maybe just like, just, just free ball it, just take them off. And so she went and took them off and then she sat down again, but because it was so hot, she like sweated through <laughs> her skirt and there was just like a bum crack, like sweat line. She needed a panty liner. <laughs> I think she, yes. And on panty liners, actually, did you know that's a hack for boob sweat? Tell us about that. So what you do is on the inside of your bra, like where the underwire sits, you can put the sticky part of the panty liner onto that part of the bra so that when the sweat does drip down to that bottom part of your boob, or if that's where you gather sweat anyway, I don't have much of a fold over of a boob, but if I did, that's probably where the sweat would gather. So that's that all absorbs the sweat so that you don't get that drip underneath your boob. I'm going to try this out with my Aldi panty liners and I'll let you know how I go. Please do. God, guys, those Aldi panty liners are so versatile. <laughs> I actually do wear panty liners on hot days, to be quite honest, because I hate mm. that feeling of sweaty vagina. Sweaty vagina. Yes, that's yeah. totally a thing, isn't it? Have you ever stood up from like sitting down, obviously, on a really hot day and you've had the sweat drip down the back of your leg? 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, to be honest, though, you know I love humidity and I love humid holidays. Mm. So to be honest, I, I really miss a sweaty bum and sweaty vagina and sweaty oh. boobs. Yeah, I miss it. Yeah. If we ever travelled together, Joe, you couldn't do it because I don't allow the aircon on. No, I couldn't. I couldn't live like that. Yeah. I sleep in full. Like uh, when I go, I'm not going to say the word. Mum says, Linda said I have to stop saying the word. But when I go to the place we won't mention, yeah. um, she, she's like, you've got to stop, Hannah. It's annoying. It's annoying her now, so I have to stop. So when I when I go there, I just get a room with a fan, no yeah. aircon, because I don't I don't need aircon. I like to sleep in my own sweat. Oh, see, I would have thought you'd be a person that would have aircon on, but now that I think about no. it, you would stay in a hostel, yeah. and they probably don't have aircon on offer. So I don't stay in hostels anymore. I stay in bungalows. Please, <laughs> I've upgraded. I'm thirty. I'm almost 32 years old, Joanna. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I got that wrong. I can't have people having sex on the bunk bed above me. God, yeah. I'm too old for that Too old. <laughs> Unless it's you. Actually, on my last trip to Thailand, um, I had a gentleman friend. You're not meant to say that word. You said Thailand. Can you start beeping Thailand out, Matthew? <laughs> Every time I say Thailand, just beep it out. Like, So when I was in Thailand, last time I had a, a guy that I had a little romance with and the one that said I looked really glowy because mm-hmm. I was using biology yeah him yeah. and he it's like the dead of night in the jungle and all these bungalows are like all really close together and I just was like the poor people in the bungalow next to us mm, like, they definitely that would have heard that yeah like we had like a night out it was like three in the morning and I was like I'm sh- we must have woken them up there's no mm-hmm. ins- there's no sound installation yeah like, did you walk out in the morning and just say hello I was a little bit embarrassed the next day because yeah. she was the <laughs> girl was sitting on the balcony (laughs) I looked fresh as a daisy (laughs) (laughs) well that took a turn as it usually does so that was boob and bum sweat for you (laughs) we'd love to hear your stories or like submit your pics if you're listening to this on a Monday morning because we'd love to see them it always makes our day So today's guest is joining us from Chroma Dermatology in Melbourne. Dermatologist Dr. Michelle Rodriguez is joining us to talk all things lasers. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jo, for having me on. We're very excited to talk about lasers. Hannah actually sent me an email and she was like, can we please talk about hair laser? (laughs) I need to know if the IPL device I'm using is actually working, what lasers can you use on different skin tones? So we thought you would be the perfect person to ask. So can I ask, what are the most common lasers used in a skincare setting, including hair lasers? Sure. There's there's really a variety, Joe, and, and really we can break them up based on their wavelengths. So um, there's the Alexandrite laser, which is uh, 755 nanometers. That's used for hair removal, actually, most commonly. You also have Q-switched YAG lasers, which is an older kind of technology or newer picosecond lasers usually in the order of um, 755 nanometers or 532 or 1064. And these are used for pigment removal, things like brown spots, freckles, and even tattoo removal. Then you have pulsed dye lasers, generally around 532 or 1064 nanometers, and they're used for redness, things like blood vessels, capillaries, and, and rosacea. Um, Then you've got ablative lasers, so carbon dioxide or erbium lasers, and they're used really for rejuvenation, fine lines, 
acne scarring, those sorts of things. What I will say is a lot of people refer to IPL as laser, but this actually is not technically a laser. It's intense pulse light, hence the IPL acronym. Um, But that is commonly used for laser hair removal. Uh, generally speaking. So in layman's terms, for anyone that's wanting to treat a certain concern, what should they ask for? If they're going into a clinic, how do they know that they're asking for the right kind of laser? Or should you rely on the professional to tell you that? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think it's really important first and foremost to get a diagnosis from a professional, from a dermatologist in, in, in my opinion. And then you can actually inform yourself of what the potential options are for that condition rather than the other way around. So hopefully that makes sense. Like just if we go back to the very start, (laughs) because I was trying to think, I was like, as you were talking, I'm like, I know the word laser, I know the word laser, but like what is a laser? Aside from all the different types. Yeah, yeah. Look, um, laser is actually, again, an an acronym for light amplification um, by stimulated emission of radiation. Now, no one can ever be bothered saying that amount of, of, of words in one go. So hence, we just refer to it as laser. And effectively, they're electronic devices that generate a single color of light. And, and that light of, of the laser beam is actually converted into heat. And, and the light is actually attracted to whatever the target is. So, for example, with hair, that light is attracted to the pigment within the hair follicle or the melanin. Um, for redness, it's, it's attracted to hemoglobin, a component of, of blood. And, and basically the heat destroys that target. So hopefully that makes sense. Oh, yes. My mind is blown by that acronym. I just have like, I thought laser was a machine name. I thought that must be like Botox. Like that was the name of the company that created the first ever device. But anyway. (laughs) Well, you kind of answered my next question in that answer because I was going to say laser hair removal is by far one of the best things I ever did. It saved me so much time and money over the years. I've had laser for probably nine years now. And you've kind of explained a little bit about how that technology works, but can you maybe go into a little bit more detail about how laser hair removal actually stops the growth of the hair? Yeah, sure. I think like you, I've had a similar experience, Joe, and I think it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. We kind of tend to think of it as being expensive and mm. time-consuming, but when you think over time how much time we are going to spend shaving or plucking or waxing and, you know, so on. So, yes, I agree with you. One of the best things I did. Let's say we we refer specifically to, to hair in this instance. The light within the laser of the laser beam is actually attracted to the pigment within the hair follicle and that heat destroys the hair follicle. So the darker the hair, the better the response because darker hair can absorb more heat. There is a, a, a target there. White, blonde, fine hair, fine hair won't actually respond to laser hair removal. So it's important to A, make sure that you have intact hair follicle, B, make sure that it is coloured because you'll get a good response. And I think the other thing to remember with laser hair removal is one treatment doesn't mean that it's all going to be gone forever. You actually need a series of treatments to gradually decrease the density of the hair, the thickness of the hair and the rate of growth. And that generally speaking happens over about eight treatments. So as, as a rough guide, you could say eight treatments will help reduce hair density by about 80% in the majority of patients. Now, there are some instances where people have 
excess hair growth, medical conditions that cause this to occur. And the name of one of those is polycystic ovarian syndrome, which some of the listeners may be familiar with. Mm -hmm. So if someone has a medical condition like that, it would be a little bit more challenging because the, the hair, of course, would be more stubborn and you'd therefore require far more treatments on an ongoing basis. And, and generally speaking, the treatments are spaced, you know, anywhere between four, six or eight weeks apart, depending on the type of hair you have. And with each treatment, it literally just feels like the flick of a rubber band. You know, you don't need anaesthetic. It's not a big hoo-ha of a procedure it's pretty straightforward and and afterwards you might get a little bit of redness and slowly but surely that hair follicle that has been destroyed will fall out and um, hopefully not regrow as thick and then hopefully with multiple zaps hopefully not grow at all so in lockdown obviously laser has been off the cards and i was right smack bang in the middle of my laser hair removal journey. So I actually got an IPL machine to use at home and I wasn't sure like if that would still maintain the results of my laser hair removal. And I had a couple of people ask me about that. So I'd like to know, first of all, if that can help sort of in between sessions. But secondly, how does the device actually compare to in-clinic machines? Yeah, sure. Um, Hannah, I think, you know, the most important thing to say is is what we mentioned before, which is IPL is not a laser device. Yeah. So the good thing is you don't need special eyewear and goggles and all sorts of safety things, uh, you, know, you know, around you in order to, to do the treatment. And it's routinely, IPL is routinely used in retail skin clinics and beauty salons and so forth. Some of the, the things that it's important for listeners to understand is that IPL is not for everyone. So mm-hmm. there are certain patient groups or, or skin types that should really avoid IPL at all costs. And that includes people who regularly get deeply tanned right through to people who have inherently darker skin types, so patients with skin of colour. So we're talking about darker Chinese skin types, Indian skin types, Hispanic skin types, African skin types, and so on, because at the end of the day, these IPL machines can cause darkening, scarring, pigment problems uh, with with these devices. So that can take many months and even years to resolve. So I think the first thing is make sure that IPL is definitely for you. Mm. Um, the second is that IPL home devices don't actually generate the same amount of energy as in-clinic treatments would. And, and this is because the, the machines themselves are, are calibrated regularly. They're serviced to make sure that that energy coming out is precisely where it ought to be and, and really to ensure that there's a predictable response to the laser. But unfortunately, with the IPL device, you're just not going to have that sort of service or maintenance on it. I guess the other thing is, you know, it tends to be more time consuming. Um, You know, it's obviously filled a a need during the extensive lockdown that we've had, particularly in Melbourne. Mm. But I I think at the end of the day, from a convenience, safety, results perspective, those that nothing can beat those those in clinic uh, lasers or IPLs if that's um, right for your skin type and color. So as you've mentioned, many of these lasers target pigment. So what does that mean for anyone with a deeper skin tone? You kind of touched on that earlier. What laser alternatives are there or are there certain lasers that are designed for treating darker skin tones? Yeah, definitely. I think in my opinion, those with skin of colour, you know, we, we talked about this Middle Eastern right through to Asian and, and Indian skin types 
really need to consult, I think, with a practitioner who understands differences in skin tones before any treatments are embarked upon. We're talking lasers, LED, even clinical chemical peels need to be individually tailored to a person's skin type. And if it's not, we can have detrimental effects. And this is because many treatments, despite being marketed for pigment, Um, can actually make some types of pigment worse, for example, or laser hair removal, not necessarily for everyone. And and the first critically important step, I think, in successful treatment for anyone, regardless of skin type, is getting a diagnosis. There are so many causes of of different things that look so similar on on the skin that you you really need to optimise the success and minimise the potential risk by getting the right diagnosis and hence the right laser. And people aren't going to know that. They're going to have to rely on their provider to be able to advise that. People with skin of colour can have laser treatment. They don't have to look for alternate treatments necessarily. So when we're discussing, I guess, laser hair removal for skin patients with skin of colour, there are safe options for them. And the safest wavelength for people with darker skin tones is the ND YAG, which is a 1064 laser. So the ND YAG laser is something that people should really ask for and look out for. It's the safest laser that will help reduce hair without burning the pigment on the top layer of the skin. So when I say this often to my patients, lasers are a bit like cars. If someone says, get laser done, it's like saying, jump in a car and take a trip. It's like, well, which car? What model? How fast does it drive? You know, who should sit in this car? Who's it made for? You know, and, and what's the manufacturing of this of this machinery like? And, and those are all the questions you need to ask about laser, I think. As a dermatologist, what's your favourite laser treatment to perform or that you've had done on yourself? Yeah, both. Um, I really, really love the PicoSure laser by Sinusure. And this is really, in my opinion, the gold standard picosecond laser. It was the first on the market. It brightens, it tightens uh, the skin. It helps uh, with acne and scarring as well. So I think it's a really, really good laser and it can be used for patients with skin of colour very very safely as long as our settings are are tweaked. It has a huge amount of of unbiased medical research behind it and I'm a huge believer in evidence-based treatments for patients. So, yeah, this is something I really love. Mm -hmm. What kind of person would be the ideal candidate for that treatment? Well, we can tweak the settings to treat a number of things on the picosecond laser because there are different laser heads that can be attached to the PicoSure device. So it could technically with different settings treat active acne, Mm -hmm. mild forms of acne scarring, hyperpigmentation, and just overall rejuvenation and collagen stimulation as well, depending on, again, the settings and the little sort of adjustments that we make to, to the laser itself. I love hearing all of this stuff. I'm so into like the new technology. And speaking of that, is there any other exciting new technology on the horizon that we should be excited about? Uh, the one that I'm really excited about is, I think we mentioned earlier, carbon dioxide or CO2 laser. Mm-hmm. This really is the gold standard for rejuvenation of the skin. But the trouble is no one ever wants downtime. And traditionally, the CO2 laser causes a ton of redness and swelling. And, you know, 15 years ago, when when people were having laser treatments, I would, going through dermatology training, think, oh my God, these people have, you know, weeping skin and, and they're having to you know, use damp cloths on their skin for such a long time. No one wants that now. Everyone wants quick, 
easy, minimal downtime, lunchtime type treatment, head straight back to work or catch up with the girls after work for a drink without having anyone notice that anything's happened. The great thing is that there's a new CO2 laser device um, on the market and it has multiple settings on it that allow you to decrease the, the downtime depending on the patient's preference. So Uh, we can dial things up, we can dial things down, have a complete rejuvenation, literally like a peel, but with a laser. So super precise, super quick, no downtime. So it improves fine lines, texture, and just the overall appearance and luminosity of the skin. So I'm super excited about this new device. It will deliver the benefits of the traditional CO2 laser resurfacing with the ability to, to have that no downtime, which is great. Well, as you said, like many years ago, the downtime for some of these treatments was just like, as you said, there's people walking out with weeping sores on their face. What are some of the devices that you think are going to be just obsolete in the next, you know, five years? Are there any devices out there that people will just stop using altogether? Well, I, I kind of feel that the traditional fractional CO2 laser devices will probably be a thing of the past. They served us really well for the last 10 plus years and I've, I've seen them in use and I've been using them in our in our clinics for, for 10 plus years, but I really think that people are moving away from that, that downtime. So those traditional ablative resurfacing or fractional ablative laser with, with really harsh settings I think are going to be a thing of the past. I don't think that we're going to say goodbye completely to any specific laser wavelength itself because they critically target certain things in the skin. So all that we'll see happen is better technology that better selects for that particular target, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I did have one last question. I don't know if this is a rumor, I'm sorry, a myth, but hormonal hair on your face, because I know that if you end up getting pregnant, the laser, the, the hair may grow back due to hormones correct me if that's wrong. So does laser hair removal on your face, if it's hormonal hair growth, does it work? Yeah. So if someone has a a condition like polycystic ovarian syndrome and they have abnormally thick hair on the face, which is probably what you're referring to, Hannah, because that's often called hormonal hair growth. Right. Okay. So are the hair growths not hormonal in that case? Hannah gets a few um, thick chin hairs. Not one or two, quite a few. They pop up regularly. It might be worth considering seeing your local GP and having okay. a little bit of chat about maybe cycles, other hormonal things. There'll probably be a whole bunch of questions that get asked and maybe even tests, blood tests that have to get ordered to figure out if something is going wrong internally. Now, having said that, if you've got, if you're from a cultural group that's say Middle Eastern or Indian like myself, then maybe, you know, a few here or there, you're not going to really worry about. But I think it's an important point. If you're kind of worried about it, you're thinking, hey, this is not usual for me. And Well, it is usual because all the women in my family have it. So it's probably a cult. Yeah, it probably is a cultural thing that we have thicker hair on our bodies and and our faces. I might might say (laughs) PCOS does run in families as well, you know. So it's worth bearing that in mind and and maybe having a think about that. Okay. All we right. love a personal personal consultation on yes. this show. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today to talk all things lasers. If you want to see Dr. Michelle Rodriguez, she is at Chroma Dermatology in Melbourne. I'm sure you've got an excellent team behind you. So everyone head there for your laser treatment. Thank you so much, guys. Lovely to chat today. 
product we didn't know we needed. This is not my product I didn't know I needed. This is a follow-up from a product that I spoke about. So I wanted to talk about the Dyson Corral for a very quick moment because basically I took a machine and then we went into full lockdown and so mm-hmm. I've just kept it at my house and I've been using it. It's yours now. It's, <laughs> it's not, well, eventually it'll be taken <laughs> away from me. Dyson, if you're listening. <laughs> no, just joking. She's um, not. So I got the Dyson Corral and I'm going to have to give it back and I know that and so I've been using it and that's the only straightener that I've been using and my hair is just getting thicker and healthier and it's just like it's so luscious at the moment. And then the other day I went and used my old hair straightener and I was just like, nah, like I can't. I can't go back. This is the best straightener in the world. What was so different about it? So the number of passes and the fact mm-hmm. that it, it'll straighten frizzy, coarse hair. Like, look, I don't think someone like you would benefit from investing mm. the money in it. But yeah. for someone like me who just has unruly, unmanageable hair that just won't do what it's told, it really works and you only mm-hmm. have to do one or two passes. And so, and, and then I tried to use another straightener and I just thought, I can't. So the $400 price difference is worth it. Dyson Corral is $6.99. So I use it three times a week by 52 weeks. That's 156 times per year. Now, say you keep it for what? Five years? Let's just put a number on it. How long do these things last? I don't I don't know. I'd expect at least five years. Let's do five years. All right. So that is less than a dollar per use Ooh. over five years. Well, that's pretty good, isn't it? It's like the Dyson vacuum. It's like it's just worth it. I just, I don't know. It's so expensive. I totally get it. Yeah, that's fair, actually. Everyone sees Dyson vacuums as being the superior vacuum. Mm, this is a superior straightener. Okay, so I need to talk to you about Tuscan Tan. I don't know if you've tried it yet, but it's official. Okay, it, I don't know if you feel the same way as I do. It is like I've tried a lot of tans in my time and it is, it's the best. It's the yeah. best tan. It's the best fake it's very tan I've nice. ever used. I am going to do, Amy actually asked me, Amy Clark, our senior editor, she asked me to do a Beauty IQ article because I actually put it on my Instagram and she's like, mm. I don't really wear tan. So I will have before and afters and maybe not when this episode's out, but if, you, if you're if you on our email database or whatever, you'll see. <laughs> Sounded official. You're on our email database or whatever. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I'll be doing like a video and before and after. So you can see I'm telling the truth. I have never used a tan that is so streakless. It's very even. It's streakless. And it fades beautifully as well. You don't get that oh um, like snake skin appearance. It just fades like it's nothing. I feel like I've oversold it, but I can't oversell it enough. It's the best fake tan I've ever used. So I've, <laughs> I'm using the multi-base self-tan foam. It's got three colors. I think it's the one color and you leave it on for longer. Oh yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you put it on and then I think if you leave it on for like two hours, it's a light tan, four hours, medium, overnight. I leave it on overnight. The only other product, look, I'm doing three products. Relax. (laughs) I don't use that on my, you know, I don't use the fake tans on my face. I use tanning drops. Yeah. So if you don't want to use the foam on your face, I mix the Tuscan tan tanning drops in with my moisturizer or Mm. serum. I haven't used those yet. How are they? Beautiful color. Okay. All right. I'll give them a go. Yeah. Did you see the other day I put up that Instagram story? I'd had put a little bit of foundation on, but I was like, I was really glowy. Like, don't deny it. 
Like I don't say that about myself very often, but <laughs> I was f***ing <laughs> glowing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well, now that you've like done five products, um, I'm going to do one. <laughs> um, my product is actually... hey. Yours is a kit. I reckon yours probably has five products in it. Mine's actually got four products in it. So the reason that I wanted to do this one is because I still, a year later, get people sending me DMs asking when this kit is going to be back in stock. So last year I did a collaboration with ASAP and we did their Ready, Set, Glow starter kit, which is $169. It's like what is it? $390 value. It's got all of my favorite products from ASAP in it. It's got the gentle cleansing gel, the DNA, the B and the radiance. So they're products that I used to recommend to people all the time when I was working in clinic and I still use all of them in my routine. And so I did that collaboration. My face isn't on it this year, but- Why is your um, face not on it this year? (laughs) Um, It's just not. We just went with the product shot. Okay. (laughs) It was a bit of an outdated photo anyway. So I'm happy that my face isn't on it. It's the products. They look beautiful. But this kit is just an amazing starter kit for anybody that wants to get into cosmeceuticals and they aren't sure what to buy. All you pretty much need to add is a SPF. Uh, a moisturizer and an eye cream. I reckon all you need, you don't even need the eye cream, but I reckon all you would need is... Because you can put the DNA around your eyes as well. Yeah, if you did the ultraviolet supreme screen, Mm. if you added that, and then all you would need is something for a moisturizer for nighttime. Yeah, totally. Anyway, that's mine. I thought I would let you guys know that we do have it again. It's a Christmas set, so it's limited edition again. So if you bought it last year or you missed out last year, make sure you buy it as soon as possible because it definitely will sell out. Um, But, yeah, that's my product. I didn't know I needed. We both did um, because I did three products and you've just done four. So Yeah, so we're loosening the rules on products. We didn't know we needed a little bit. but (laughs) true. Do you know why? Because this time of year there's so much new stuff. Yes, yes. There's so many things in that Christmas category that I'm like, oh, I just want to buy that. I'm getting a little bit overexcited because I feel that, I'm allowed to leave the house now. Mm. I'm get okay, Joe. I'm getting Manny Petty at 6 p.m. today. Never been so excited. I'm getting a massage. <gasps> oh, I've been waiting months to have a massage. I couldn't. I couldn't choose between the massage, but I decided to go with the and and I'm really excited for my fungus to come back on my toes because yeah. I get to get shellac again. Yeah. So excited. <laughs> Never been more excited for toe fungus in my whole life. Uh, anyway, we'll see you next week. Thanks everyone for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated.